0: Topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now, welcome Integrative Dieticians Allie Miller and her co host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 262 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast, the Keto Immune Connection and updates on natural immunity. Today, we're going to be covering all of the different mechanisms that keto can influence in terms of inflammation blood glucose stability, T cells, and beyond when it comes to your immune system. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because nutritional ketosis,
2: often immunity isn't the priority. You know, we think of neurological conditions, especially the dynamic influence that nutritional ketosis can have on seizures, stability and remission, a lot of research on autophagy and cancer care as adjuvants, as well as dysmetabolic syndrome, even in the world of depression and anxiety. But I think immune is kind of a new cutting edge element. And it just goes to show. That when you're using functional medicine and food as medicine as your foundation, again, you're getting that really cool like offense plus defense. This multi-mechanistic influence that not just prevents illness, but supports optimal function in the body. So super excited to nerd out in today's episode and really great timing as we are closing through october Uh, we are of course one week away from the launch of our next level keto class so if you've been hemming and hawing on whether you need to go back into nutritional ketosis i think that this is quite a compelling episode to tell you yes and doing it with next level keto will be a great way to support your best outcomes So, over the course of seven weeks, let's just get into the updates. I'm just going into it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I'm flowing. Into the uh, course of seven weeks, the first class is October 27th, and they are weekly except for we do take a hiatus the week of Thanksgiving, uh, so we will not meet that week, but then we will meet again on December 1st and December 8th. So we're going to provide you guys support through the end of October all the way into December, those really trying times of all of the holiday temptations to ensure that you are empowered and rocking out your food as medicine, getting back into the keto high and that really feeling amazing ground nourished. While maybe shedding some of the COVID added weight that you've gained or undesired belly fat from the stress we've all been under, a really great way to have community support. The only live offering that Becky and I do now, so an awesome way to connect with us on a pretty intimate level. We keep it under 100 participants and there are only a couple spots left, so make sure that you go on over to alimillerrd.com and under books and programs, you can grab a spot in next level keto only $199 and again that supports you for over about a two-month window over this arching holiday time frame let's just talk a little bit of like topics we cover in the program
1: and why people need to join yeah so the the format of this class first of all is really different than anything that we've done before so very different if you've done our 101 or the 12-week keto program uh, that's definitely more formal yes there's audience participation at the very end but This class really takes it next level in terms of allowing you guys to participate along the process. We even kind of tease out and look at individuals' questions and CGMs and use you kind of in the hot seat, if you will, um, during the class and as an example. So for that alone, if you've wanted to pick our brains. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But if you've wanted to pick our our brains like over your lunch hour, um, it's an amazing, amazing value. So the first class, we really go into mastering your macros, determining what phase works best. So getting a refresher on all things macros that you can track, know where you're at. And then we go into kind of every other week is more of a a deep dive Q and A. So the first Q and A is hormones, thyroid, adrenals and stress and who doesn't have questions in yes. that area so people can actually upload yep. their labs
2: and yep. ask and kind of troubleshoot or ask about particular formulas or what would be most appropriate as well as roadblocks that they've seen or even concerns or what panels they should order mm-hmm. so we allow a really open forum discussion and then we go through kind of the most cutting edge nutritional research on these areas of focus providing everyone food as medicine goals and
1: supplement strategy and then we have a really fun class on mixing up your meal plan abundance and variety to make it sustainable and i'm sure we'll tweak that a little bit for a lot holiday of holiday keto recipes yes. yeah so everyone will yeah. have a really good meal plan for
2: thanksgiving yes. which will yeah. be awesome because yeah. we'll definitely be sharing beyond that as well as uh fun things like right off the bat of course some techniques for trick-or-treating mm-hmm. in the household and what is the switch which and all those things so there will be some fun seasonal flair, if you will within the curriculum as we go through the holiday season together Then we have another functional medicine deep dive Q&A style on gut health and digestion. And that's where we kind of toggle out things like SIBO versus candida or leaky gut versus gut cleanse. Where do I start? What's going on in my body? And uh, within the class, we also talk about starting points like our probiotic challenge, things to look for within that process, when you would consider doing MRT testing and so much more. We incorporate a 10-day detox as a support as we launch into December um, so that we can fit that in before the new year and provide uh, up-to-date information to make sure you're all geared and ready for that. Like Becky mentioned, we do a CGM around class four, where we actually show you how to put it on. And then we walk through with trends. We allow you to upload to a portal or Google Doc where we can share and troubleshoot your shifts. And so you can learn from other people like a high uh, bedtime, evening spike might be associated with cortisol. So we'll Mm -hmm. play with... Maybe a complex carb snack actually at that time, or we'll play with longer fasting, or we'll play with phosphatidylserine or magnolia bark extract to block cortisol levels, or up in the relax and regulate. It's really a way to ensure that you get that n equals one after your foundational approach to keto. So it is a prerequisite that you have purchased our 12-week food is medicine ketosis program. Uh, ideally, you've been a prior participant and you've already gone through it completely. If not, you can purchase it simultaneously, but we will ask that you kind of tread water quickly in the beginning to catch up to speed because we will be using terms that we've already kind of established throughout that system. And that's why we're able to really accelerate outcomes with the assumption that everyone's
1: understanding what we're talking about and we're jumping into things to troubleshoot. Yes. So join us. Again, starts the 27th. It's Wednesdays from 12 to 1 p.m. And you can find all the details over at AllieMillerRD.com. And again, only
2: $199.
1: We hope to see you there. All right. All right. Other updates since we're in the update world. Yeah, we've got another really (laughs) exciting update. This is the first time that we're talking about the women's wellness workshop. Yeah. Hey. So I just
2: officially booked a women's wellness workshop out in Wimberley, Texas at the Bell House. It's a beautiful space, gourmet chef's kitchen, and it seats 40 people. So, we are going to be doing an event from 3 till 9 p.m. on December 4th. That's a Saturday. Uh, Wimberly is a great location between San Antonio, Austin even would be worth a drive from Houston or Dallas, I would argue. And again, it's going to be an intimate group of only 40 individuals in person from three until nine. There will be over two hours of formal lecture that I'll give. There will be an hour of interactive workshop breakouts between these lecture times. We will be doing a wine tasting and open up to a and a where Becky and I will have a glass of wine with everyone and just kind of you can pick our brains and kind of girls chat. We will do a two-hour cooking class and then close things out with a three course food as medicine dinner so this is amazing value there will be all farm to table sourcing in the foods that we consume and this is also a really great way to connect with like-minded individuals at this time you know especially as we're gearing up for difficult conversations with families of maybe divisive, oppositional, polarizing thoughts. What a wonderful time to gather with other like-minded women that want to nourish their households and believe in the don't believe but know how science supports natural robust immunity, and the influence of food as medicine. So we're all working together to find this fluidity and fortitude as we go into the holiday season. And this is a great one-day workshop to just kind of fill up your spirit, get inspired for uh, maintaining optimal health in your household, and we'll dig into topics including gut and immune connection, adrenal hormone
1: balance, fasting, keto, metabolic flexibility, and so much more super, super exciting. We only have 40 spots available, so this will sell out. Absolutely. Um, if you're interested in VIP opportunities, including staying on site at this gorgeous bed and breakfast, um, tea and coffee with Ally, you can email info at AllieMillerRD.com and we'll be selling the tickets on AllieMillerRD.com. All right,
2: other updates. Uh, We have refreshed the Become a Client page on the Alan Miller RD website. In fact, it was kind of loaded with all sorts of confusing information and we've really streamlined it. We keep hearing like, do you guys offer packages? Or how do I get started? What's the first step? So now the page is going to be a very clear read on kind of the entire experience of becoming a client the way we work with you is everyone purchases an initial consultation with either Becky or myself. And in that initial consultation, that's when we do that deep dive kind of as the detective of your body, digging into triggering events and history and all of the story of your body essentially of how you arrive today and looking at elements of dysfunction or imbalance and how we can get to the root causes for true resilience and optimal health. At the end of that first consultation, that's when Becky and I would provide you with a protocol, which would be recommendations of advanced functional labs, also supplement strategy, some food as medicine foundation, and maybe some macro goals. And then at that point, we'll talk to you about whether it looks like you would need three follow-ups spread out within six to eight weeks, or our VIP package, which has six 20-minute consultations, and four 45-minute follow-ups, and so many other ways we can slice and dice something specific to meet your needs for best accountability and sustainable results. So you can go on over to alimillerrd.com and click on become a client. I highly advise if you've been thinking about one-on-one support that you do it now before the holiday rush. This is like the lull time, right, Becky? So both of our schedules in the month of November, December, this is a great time to get in instead of hoping for January, February when everything's pretty locked and loaded. Um, And so definitely go on over to AllieMillerRD.com, click on Become a Client. And from there, you can get the ball started.
1: All right. I think those are the big things. Let's do it. Oh, oh, last one, one more. Patreon. Yes, last Tell thing. us about that. <laughs> yes.
2: So I didn't take a sponsor for today's episode. You know, this is usually where we'd be talking about fond bone broth or something. Um, I want to share that I am going to create a Patreon account for Ally Miller R.D., I'm super excited about this because as we know that times are changing, I am kind of constantly riding the dance of putting out resources that have concrete information that is inspirational, science evidenced, clinically based, but also treads the lines of censorship. And I'm pretty sick of saying schmack and having mm-hmm. to, you know, filter my language on, for instance, you know, oh, keep an eye out newsletter subscribers for this week's uh, blast where we will be sharing a discount code only in your inbox. So if you listen to this Monday, make sure you subscribe because this Thursday we're going to be blasting cellular antioxidants. And I'm already anxious about how to share NAC and glutathione right. on you know Facebook and um, on Instagram because I've had posts censored even though there is clinical literature supporting verbatim a pull quote or I'm actually pulling a evidence-based research study from a double-blind randomized clinical trial and it's being censored. So I've decided that through Patreon – I could create a direct information support for you guys without filtering. Um, You can become a Patreon as little as $3 a month. So that's a great way to just show support for our bravery and our sharing of truth. If you love the Naturally Nourished podcast, $3 a month, you'll also get Patreon exclusive posts. And so these will be at least once a week. Unfiltered, up to date. And then I have tiers all the way up to $25 a month. And, you know, these go in between like $5, $8, $10. And at $25 a month, though, we are looking at entering into some vip perks Um, so this could include discounts on supplements programs digital products even event tickets and so much more as well as exclusive zoom q a's and all sorts of fun stuff all that's being developed right now in the works so you can go on over to i believe it's patreon.com and that's spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash ali miller rd and you can check out a tier that works best for you but again even with just three dollars a month that's where you'll have access to my unfiltered medical truth information and i'm so excited to be able to do that as a direct kind of path a lot of you are sharing with me that You also are noticing the quality of life impact of being on social media and you Mm -hmm. don't want to be sucked (laughs) into the scroll hole of Instagram and Facebook and the divisiveness of family debates and all of the garbage that's going on. So I think Patreon's a really great delivery to kind of get these pings of up-to-date info, inspiration, food as medicine recipes, and not dealing with quote unquote the man. Um, So definitely go on over to patreon.com slash AllieMillerRD and see which tier works best for you to show your support and love for the naturally. Nourish podcast.
1: Okay think that's all of the updates yes. so let's do it um getting right into today's topic um so chatting again toward the end of october and for many listeners they're in the flow of you know the new school year ready to take control of their wellness and and maybe some others are kind of starting to float down that holiday river and and looking for that life raft right it's like we roll through you know from <laughs> <laughs> halloween to new year's and and January is like where we start the new thing. But either way, um, this is why we're doing today's episode and why we're also launching Next Level Keto next week. It's just the timeliest, best time to support you guys.
2: Yes, and as we often talk, you know, this is the time where... I think there is a little bit of a pulse of anxiety already picking up with pandemic and winter and the fear association of variant and, you know, a dark winter lockdown type scenario. And so I think that this is a time to really shift from that vibration of unknown into what you can do to support your own body. And as I said, nutritional ketosis provides so many mechanisms, not only to ground your mind and support optimal mental health, you know, as I talk about in the anti-anxiety diet, we know that when we're producing ketones and they cross the blood brain barrier, they reduce that excitatory epinephrine surge, which is similar mechanism of what actually inhibits the seizure activity. Same as the expression of GABA, you know, ketones are are gaba And so they're actually going to upregulate that inhibitory compound, which also supports that mellow out, grounding, anxiolytic, calming activity. So if you're, again, looking at a time, this is the time. Whether you need our program or not, I definitely would say, hear us sharing that this is the time to go tighter into keto as you go into the holidays. And I'd suggest that you consider doing it keto strong. Now, the only ones that maybe are already tight keto and want to play with metabolic flexibility could be reasonable. But I think for most of us going into November, we want to kind of ring out and push the reset and feel that strength of foundation
1: in our frame. Yes. So beyond the keto immune connection, which we're going to dive deep into, let's just kind of refresh on other benefits of keto and why we love this way of eating. Yeah. So I mentioned, you
2: know, the anxiolytic or anxiety reduction element, which is huge. We also know that ketosis provides just direct anti-inflammatory effects. So we know that there's less reactive reactive oxygen species in the brain, particularly When we are in a state of nutritional ketosis, there's also more neurogenesis. And so that neuroplasticity, which we tie to cognitive function and we trend inversely with cognitive decline or dementia, Uh, we know that nutritional ketosis can also have that muscle sparing effect. So we see an increase of HGH, that human growth hormone. We also have the ability to maintain muscle while more strategically burn from fat so when we are at this um, intermittent fasting approach with keto or just mere calorie restriction with keto the weight that we lose and the composition change is more favorable for sustained outcomes because the basal metabolic rate is often retained in nutritional ketosis due to favoring fat loss. So there's that favorable body composition change and also more sustained weight loss results, which is huge. And I think the idea of both that mechanism metabolically paired with reduced cravings, which is also important to note, there's a lot of Appetite regulation. So we have satiety with nutritional ketosis. The higher fat diet itself provides that, and also GLP 1. Um, we do see some increase there going on with uh, regulation. We see, what are other elements, Becky? There's so many. (laughs) We see support. um, And and a lot of those highlighted that I just went into, you could look at episode 99 of the Mm -hmm. Naturally Nourished podcast. It's called Ketosis as Medicine. We'll link that where we go into all clinical literature, up-to-date research on all of those mechanisms. And then another one that I'm thinking of, which is one of our more popular or top, I think, 10 still episodes to date, is episode 121, Keto and Women's Hormones. And that's where we really go into the mechanisms of nutritional ketosis, supporting not only insulin sensitivity and reducing that excessive insulin. So bringing insulin levels down, supporting insulin receptor function, but that's what we often see with like pcos and infertility and this is why metformin is actually used as a fertility drug so fertility support keto would be great and then even the mechanism that when ketones dock in the brain at that level of the hypothalamus there's influence with leptin and leptin is that satiety hormone which tells the body it's safe so, that has part of the mechanism of also the calming effect as well as hormonal effect and can actually balance and create a more parasympathetic expression in that HPA axis, which downstream can favorably influence our FSH and LH. And that's what regulates our hormone cycles that follicular
1: stimulating hormone and luteal hormone. Yes. So, so, so much in the world of fertility, women's hormones, and then, you know, we even see in terms of. Our adrenal glands benefits of ketosis, um, where keto can reverse this dysregulated cortisol metabolism, right? Which
2: again, I think right now timely is one of the biggest drivers of probably imbalance that most people are experiencing after the last twenty months. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, and and what's super cool here is is really you know each mechanism has unique metabolic influence that are specific to ketones. So when we hear it's just a fad diet or, you know, it's just calories in calories out. Um, we know that's just not true there are so many specific mechanisms that ketones or beta hydroxybutyrate or bhb provide
2: yeah and and that's one of those things that's so interesting when you hear from those camps of like it doesn't matter and, and also equally frustrating as we'll get into the immune specific literature which is super compelling of why metabolic health just is not making the conversation at this end stage of pand- hopeful end stage or transition <laughs> stage of <laughs> pandemic <laughs> Um, You know, when we're looking at so many mechanisms, again, that would have benefit as well as preventative. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, So let's jump into keto now, especially when we dig into the world of inflammation and autophagy or that cellular kind of cleanup response.
2: Yeah, so there was a study done by researchers at Yale School of Medicine and they observed exposing human immune cells to BHB in amounts that you would expect to see following 2 days of fasting or tight nutritional ketosis that this actually reduced the inflammatory response. The name of the study is The Keto Metabolite Beta-Hydroxybutyrate Blocks NLRP3 Inflammasome-Mediated Inflammatory Disease. And that NLRP inflammasome pathway we talked a lot about in the vitamin C episode of the Naturally Nourished podcast. So I will link that also in the show notes. Um, and this is a big mechanism that also drives those dysregulated cytokine storms that drive you know low oxygen levels in the body and more severe outcomes even risks of septis in the body so when we're looking at regulating inflammation this is a really important piece of the puzzle really over the past decade we've seen that nutritional ketosis has a potent modulator of inflammation and when we look at anti-inflammatory drugs in comparison We can see that keto immune modulation or kim isn't that a cool term keto immune modulation seems to work to balance out an anti-inflammatory effect in a safe way that also provides a sustainable potent immune inflammatory response because remember Inflammation is not one of those things where you just want to totally suppress it. A lot of inflammatory processes are necessary to upregulate immune response. So it is ensuring that the relationship is balanced and not dysregulated. And that's where nutritional ketosis shines superior to an anti-inflammatory drug, which over time will just purely shut down a pathway or suppress. Does that kind of make sense? So there's an active relationship, which is really important to... Discover Yes. You don't want your body to not respond at all, and you don't want it to hyper-respond, right? Right. And I mean, as we've nerded out on the mechanisms alone of fever, which is mm-hmm. a marked sign of inflammation, right, and how a fever actually drives in higher neutrophil response. So fevers have a mechanism chemically- to call on immune regulating cells to activate. And we've seen, as we talked about in our naturally nourished food as medicine for the whole family episode or our program, excuse me, as we talk about in that immune module of that program, you know, when you actually block a fever, that you can actually see increased mortality, more severe infection, and actually more uh, risk of death because of totally shutting down that necessary inflammatory response. So again, nutritional ketosis has this modulating impact. And when we think of anti-inflammatory drugs, we think of our NSAIDs, right? And so these are going to be blockers of COX, so they're COX inhibitors in the body as far as cyclooxygenases, those pro-inflammatory mediators. Side effects of NSAIDs we know, GI irritation and ulceration, we know bleeding can be seen as an issue. Acetaminophen would be a whole other world of our um, anti-inflammatories, and this is Tylenol, right? And they also block COX in in the body. Uh, we can see liver damage with acetaminophen use. Corticosteroids do have more multiple mechanisms where they hit cytokines, um, chemokines, and eicosanoids. Excuse me. And now in this world of corticosteroids, we'd use more maybe acute allergy or chronic inflammatory diseases. In those with um, rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune conditions, often are going to be on these drugs. But we see immune suppression with use of corticosteroids. So again, to treat an acute flare, but not to shut down the system, mm-hmm. which then can't fight for itself. Same thing with monocolonial antibodies, actually, which is why they're often delivered with antibiotics in the world of pandemic. They, they are going to be targeting cytokines and chemokines and some specific lymphocytes. So there is that more direct immune response beyond just inflammatory, but there is high susceptibility to sepsis um, and overall immune
1: suppression. Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, you know, again, ketosis has this multi mechanism where it has the ability to regulate inflammation, not to shut it down, not to turn it on, and especially on those inflammasome pathways. And then again, the kind of chicken and egg beauty of ketosis is that you're likely to see body weight loss and fat loss, which further reduces inflammation because adipocytes or fat tissue cells on the body themselves are pro-inflammatory. And then there's an epigenetic expression as well. So there's actually an attributable reduction in the amounts of our inflammatory visceral belly fat, as well as this epigenetic influence on our insulin response and how different genes actually turn on to protect our cells from oxidative stress and inflammation based on signaling and regulating of our genome expression with the stimulus of beta-hydroxybutyrate. So again, not calories in, calories out, not just the fat loss, but when we make ketone bodies, there's actually an influence on our gene system that reduces oxidative stress and inflammation in the body.
1: Okay, and then beyond that genetic component, let's just go a little bit deeper into some of these anti-inflammatory mechanisms.
2: Yes, so it's actually interesting. There was some research done by Finney, and I will be linking this in the study. And There's a really great flowchart that looks at beta-hydroxybutyrate signaling hypothesis. And a lot of it ties into arachidonic acid, which is interesting because we sometimes demonize arachidonic acid as pro-inflammatory, but we do know that it is is an essential fatty acid and it plays a big role with our cell membrane function. So getting a little bit down the rabbit hole and then I'll pull out, hopefully, we'll see. Um, When we're looking at reactive oxygen species in connection with ketone bodies, one of the connections is that inflammation is um, created or connected Through the compounds called isoprostanes. And isoprostanes are created when reactive oxygen species attack specific fatty acids in cell membranes. And that's why, again, higher body fat drives higher inflammation in the body. So these isoprostanes are actually structurally similar to some of the pro inflammatory prostaglandins um, and Cox enzymes. And these are the compounds that are blocked by your NSAID drugs. But In this case, if there's no enzyme involved in the formation of isoprostanes, NSAIDs can't block their formation. And so when we're looking at enhancing the body's ability to actually stop reactive oxygen species before they can attack the fatty membrane fatty acids, this is how beta-hydroxybutyrate can actually impact this whole class of pro-inflammatory compounds from being created in the first place. There's this membrane arachidonate preservation and that increases improved insulin sensitivity And at this same mechanism, this is reducing the mitochondrial reactive oxygen species or oxidative stress in the body. And the BHB is blocking that NLRP inflammasome pathway, which downstream reduces these inflammatory bioactivators. So much less arachidonic acid is being destroyed by these reactive oxygen species when the body is in a state of nutritional ketosis. So then less needs to be made in order to maintain optimal membrane levels, and this is again, an essential fatty acid that keeps your membrane intact. So we've seen that the level of arachidonic acid in our muscle membrane is actually strongly correlated with insulin sensitivity.
1: Interesting. Okay, so the more of that you have, the improved insulin sensitivity then. yes okay. and the
2: more kind of utilization and cleanup okay. is going to be generating reactive oxygen species or inflammation and through a ketogenic diet because there is that preservation of muscle tissue and mass there's also better membrane protection and so that mechanism of less turnover on the arachidonic acid in the membrane we could also argue not eating a high arachidonic acid uh, diet of course and mm-hmm. actually there's tons of research that we're seeing out of Mediterranean regions on omega 3 fatty acids, wild fish olive oil or low omega-6 fatty acid diet and less susceptibility to severity of infection and mortality. And and, and I think we're seeing a lot of that modeled and that's the magic in some sense of Mediterranean diet. So when you take keto Mediterranean, you're getting, again, best case scenario where you're balancing out the structural membrane integrity of your cells by diet and by what it's made out of from what you're consuming. And then also you're reserving it through nutritional ketosis, less turnover. Okay.
1: Hey, we have a podcast on Mediterranean keto. I'll, yeah, I'll link, link that, that for too. you guys. It's a good episode and really good like food inspiration for kind of lightening things up. Totally. Um so beyond these mechanisms of how ketones can actually regulate inflammation We've also seen this represented in actual human research studies. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Right, like flow it's charts are important. cool and yeah. big words. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so there's a randomized clinical trial that looked at two different weight loss diets. One was ketogenic and the other was low fat, high carbohydrate. So same calorie, again, calories in, calorie out people got to see this one. Um, the ketogenic diet actually demonstrated much greater anti-inflammatory effects after 12 weeks and these reductions were seen in multiple inflammatory biomarkers, implying a broad spectrum rather than just a single focused mechanism of action. Excuse me. And then there was another study that was done by Virta, or Vir- Vir- Virta um, which is associated with Volek and Finney, and um, I'll link this as well. This was a study on patients with type 2 diabetes. Both white blood cell count, which we know white blood cell responds to infection, of course, and this is starting to tie beyond inflammation, white blood cell count and CRP were dramatically reduced or regulated. They didn't bring to a low white blood cell count, but if it was elevated, became regulated in the keto diet group compared to the usual care group at year one and year two. So we're looking at Pretty remarkable long-term outcomes. The reduction in CRP in the keto group was a dynamic magnitude of 35 to 40% reduction, um, seen to be potentially superior to that of a statin drug. Of course, unlike a statin, um, the statin drug can't show the impact on white blood cell count and also can't show the impact on metabolic health and favorable testosterone influence sure. and vitamin D levels and CoQ10 and all that jazz. Whereas, again, nutritional ketosis would be more sparing
1: of those Bioactive components. And that's something I feel like I see in clinic all the time with my clients who go on keto. You know, we check their CRP 12 weeks later and it's gone, you know, from beyond a six into normal range of under one. Um, So I think there's a a really big relationship there. And then beyond inflammation, uh, there's a direct relationship, too, between ketones and T cell function. Well, right. So this is where we get in the inarguable immune world, right? And so
2: all of those were kind of maybe a a cousin (laughs) distant expression of infection and management of infection or response of infection when we're talking oxidative stress and inflammation. But when we're talking T cells, we're talking immunity. So there was another recent study, which I will link again in the show notes, and it was both in vitro and in vivo, and it revealed profound beneficial effects of ketone bodies on human T cell immunity. Um, The phrase from the study that I pulled is, a ketogenic triggers the production of ketone bodies. The ketone body beta-hydroxybutyrate plays a key role in immunometabolic reprogramming. It was found that in both in vitro and in vivo, BHB improves T-cell function and primes human T-cell memory uh, differentiation. And this in turn promotes a more prolonged
1: natural immune response. Okay. And, and all of these mechanisms really impact immune function. And if the immune system is taxed or challenged with a pathogen, um, we'd see that impacting severity of infection or the ability of the body to fight, and regulate. Absolutely. And so again,
2: we want optimal T cell response for both that prolonged immunity, especially when we're talking T memory cells, and um, when we're talking about this adaptive or learned immunity, this is where we're really looking at the the cookies, if you will, the, the primary plate of that prolonged immune response and keeping you, quote unquote, immune from presentation of said pathogen. Sure.
1: Uh, Let's go a little deeper because I know there's there's more in terms of recent research on keto and immune.
2: Yeah. So ketone bodies within this study, the, the way that they did this is it was healthy participants followed a ketogenic diet for three weeks. They looked at blood samples from participants and they looked at in the in vitro experiment, whole blood samples from healthy donors followed by BHB cultivation, stimulation and separation prior to analysis. And so they found that ketone bodies impacted, again, the human T cell response. They also saw CD4, CD8, and regulatory T cell capacity that was markedly enhanced. And there was augmentation and enhanced formation of the T memory cells The RNA sequencing and functional metabolic analyses revealed a fundamental immunometabolic reprogramming in response to ketones favoring mitochondrial oxidative metabolism. So the data suggests that the very low carbohydrate diet is a clinical tool to improve human T-cell immunity. And then they state rethinking the value of nutrition and dietary interventions in modern medicine is required. Pretty compelling, I think. Uh, Yep, I'd say so. Yeah, so the name of that study is Very Low Carbohydrate Diet Enhances Human T-Cell Immunity Through Immunometabolic Reprogramming. And what I want to kind of hone in on with this again is that we're not talking about a learned response to one compound. When you're using an injectable drug like a vaccine, which again, this new... "Quote unquote we're talking mrna vaccine we don't even like to use the word vaccine because we're not using an attenuated virus Um, in a standard vaccine an attenuated virus generally speaking is provided and that teaches the body to make antibodies right to fight that compound that is myopic and by that i mean it's tunnel vision it's specific to the introduction of that one compound to make you immune to that one compound if you can actually enhance the production and function of your T cells, mm-hmm. that means that every dart that is thrown at your body, your human body, you will be more resilient and more capable to battle. I just want to like hone in on that because I think that's
1: so, so empowering, even beyond the inflammatory research. Right, and that's why we're not seeing you know the vaccines working for all these different variants because the variant is a different dart, essentially, right? Right. Um, we talk about them all the time, but let's just back up for a second and um, explain exactly what T cells are and why they're important. Okay, So T cells are essentially like the workhorse of the immune
2: system. They are the primary cell type of the adaptive. Again, that's that learned immune response. And they play a role in activating antibodies that other cells go on to engulf pathogens. And so they help with both the identification, the memory, and the production of the compounds that work in the tagging system of eradicating or getting rid of pathogen. And again, pathogen can be a virus. It can also be bacteria. It can be fungal. Um, And so when we're looking at T cell function, we also see that they initiate the inflammatory cascade to then kill these infected cells to kind of eat away, get rid of the debris, and T cells get their name because they mature in the thymus. And then B cells, which you often hear as like a counterpart to T cells, work in similar mechanisms but are made to mature in our bone marrow. So there are many subtypes of our T cells. The four key types that you may see in clinical studies, um, the cytotoxic T cells, those are also when I mentioned the presence of CD8+. Um, These attack infected cells. There are T helper cells, which are also known as CD4+. These are the ones that are going to really recruit the immune responders and produce cytokines with an inflammatory response. There are T regulatory cells, and these are known as T regs. They shut off the immune and inflammatory response when it's no longer needed. And then there are TMEM or memory cells, which are the long-living that remember pathogens and infectious cells, and they have a more rapid response when
1: re-exposed. Okay, and so when that study on nutritional ketosis um, demonstrated you know, increased formation and specificity of T-cells, That's really significant. Absolutely, because they work in like a suite. Again, we're
2: not looking at a drug that enhances one of these Mm -hmm. T-cell responses or blocks one mechanism. We're looking at the suite, the symphony of all of these compounds coming together
1: for enhanced dynamic immune response. Okay. And then um, that study really adds, you know, to this growing body of evidence on how the keto diet can be used as a, a clinical tool for restoring and maintaining metabolic and immune health. Absolutely.
2: And, you know, so here we are.
1: 20 months into
2: pandemic and, yeah. you know, not a single governmental or public health message on metabolic health. In fact, as we've gotten so frustrated with in the past, there's been the opposing message right. of like, now is not the time to eat healthy. Right. You just you just take care of yourself. And, and I'm using air quotes when I'm saying take care of yourself because it means just curl up
1: netflix and chill and eat all get the things your that vaccine feel comfortable crispy cream and now i think you get two crispy creams or something if you get the vaccine or roll through the mcdonald's drive-through and get a vaccine while you're there
2: well so let's talk about that because <laughs> i actually pulled some of these things i pulled what they are doing right so oh we're not
1: talking God. about public health messaging on metabolic
2: health uh-huh. we're not talking about the harmful impact of elevated blood sugar levels which we've seen dynamic increase of disease risk we're not talking about on the other end of the spectrum, the positives of regulating your blood sugar, getting ketones produced, this whole offense-defense thing—it's—it's it's so tunnel vision. And what's interesting is, as I was looking for incentives, I found on the CDC's website, cdc.gov. This is just shocking to me because I have you don't see this on a billboard billboard, you mm-hmm. don't see this anywhere on a commercial, and it says hospitalizations were six times higher and deaths 12 times higher for COVID-19 patients with reported underlying conditions. Most frequently reported underlying conditions, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and chronic lung disease. But deaths 12 times higher, how come that's not on the news? And how come we aren't educating individuals on what they can do? We are not providing high-dose curcuminoids with delta-tocotrienols like in our super turmeric to support cardiovascular. Are we providing vitamin D or N-acetylcysteine or glutathione like we have in our cell antioxidants for respiratory health or empowering people on what to use as a natural expectorant and how to regulate immune response? Are we discussing carb restriction and control? Like, no. We're giving donuts from Krispy Kreme, crinkle fries from Shake Shack in New York City, pizza, beer it's it's mind-blowing how they are acknowledging it this organization is acknowledging the issue and there's not a single action plan being made yet we're seeing mandates on an experimental injection
1: and not addressing literally the elephant in the room right because in theory you know those underlying conditions are also at higher risk either of the vaccine not working absolutely that's a great point at higher risk for complication we know cardiovascular complications have been you know well acknowledged at least you know by us and other in the world people of myocarditis like us, and yeah. blood clots yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: right yeah. And, and so someone who's at higher risk for blood clot may be more prone towards vaccine injury and what's really yeah. interesting is if it doesn't go the full two weeks following the second injection it's not noted as um, someone that's fully vaccinated in the death count mm. so that's an unvaccinated person
1: interesting i did and it that. also doesn't count as a vaccine injury apparently yeah yeah, mm-hmm. but you know those who are obese, we know that they likely do need that third booster shot and then some, or they could lose the weight and their vaccine. You know whether they choose to get it or not would actually work better. Absolutely, and and a lot of that speaks to again that inflammatory
2: immune response and the ability of white blood cell
1: dysregulation to um, either have favorable reaction or not. Um, and, and beyond how you know frustrating it is to see the transparency of this not being about our health at all but instead about control and power it makes you know me feel you know much more passionate about discovering how we can be in control of our health and and how we can really build this resilience in you guys our podcast listeners from this metabolic health perspective
2: right and it, it- all again sings the importance of the terrain you know so when we look at managing oxidative stress inflammatory immune response upregulating T cells we know that we're not in just this defense myopic again kind of hold your shield in place mm-hmm. you get to live your life and you also get to have all of the benefits we mentioned of enhanced body composition reduce risk of diabetes reduce risk of heart disease um, better mood and, and reduce reduced anxiety less uh cognitive decline pathology promotion you know so we're actually seeing wellness occur when we're working with the food as medicine which i think is so beautiful and then we're
1: making a more resilient body in the first place sure Um, so when people are reaching out and asking what they can do to support their immune system, um, I think one of the first considerations really needs to be nutritional ketosis or at bare minimum balancing, you know, blood sugar and, um, taking at least a a low carb approach. So where would you say to get started from kind of this keto immune perspective?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that everyone's, you know, on a line of a perspective and the first Depth that we want to go into is being mindful again of the holiday season, being that of a typical time of weight gain and a typical time of increased refined carbohydrates, and also a typical time of cold flu and virus. That's not a coincidence. You know, we've addressed this on other podcasts of how when you have a blood sugar spike, we see dysregulation of the white blood cell response upwards of six hours. And so if you're constantly grazing in you know your nurse's station or teacher's uh, meeting room or wherever it is in your office space or even in your own household, that's going to really take your immune system off guard. So first, just removing those pro-inflammatory, dysglycemic-driving refined carbohydrates. And I would pull out all grains, you know buns, popcorns, Pasta, you name it, um, fruit, starchy vegetables, liquid carbs, and sweets. And then, you know, for many, I think beyond simple removal, we really do want to get really strategic about limiting carbohydrates and actually getting the added benefit beyond just blood sugar regulation of low glycemic diet, of getting the bang for your buck of producing the ketones and getting that BHB value up. So, you can really see that multi mechanism of inflammation and immune modulation. So, you know, I would say this would be a call to action. If you haven't done our 12 week Food is Medicine ketosis class, this could be a really great fit. It is archived and you can watch it at your own time. You have it for the lifetime of our website. There are over six deep dive classes. And then if you want a live class with Becky and I, Next Level Keto, again, starts on October 27th. And I know that this is going to be a really empowering group, and we're really excited to lead the program with y'all. So a couple spots left there. And then let's maybe touch on some just basic, um, again, kind of immune supplements. I know we hit in episode 257, our most recent COVID kit,
1: so we can link that episode in the show notes but what would be the like top three players if you will yeah especially going into you know fall winter season we're getting less natural sunlight so I think this is a really important time even if you live somewhere you know like Texas where you're outside a a majority of the time um, I think now is the time to bring in that um, vitamin D balance blend is kind of your baseline support. Um, and this is regardless of, of, you know, COVID symptoms or exposure, you want to be taking that at one capsule daily throughout the cold flu virus Season, and you want your kiddos on the liquid version of that for all of the nasty gunk that they pick up at school and daycare and all of the places.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, that's key because it does have the vitamin K in there, um, the MK7, uh, which really aids in delivery of the vitamin D where it needs to go, prevents calcification of soft tissues, and also enhances actually the vitamin D absorption. There's so many times that Becky and I, you know, last week we talked about intracellular micronutrient assessments and micronutrient testing. There's so many clients that I've seen that aren't taking a vitamin D blend that doesn't have that K1, K2 in it and they're still vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of the turnkey hit. We've seen, as we talked about in our vitamin D episode, which we'll also link, You know that influence of vitamin K and magnesium together have a key role in optimizing vitamin D levels. So that's a big one. And then um, I did mention that with the inflammasome pathway vitamin C mm-hmm. episode, um, but I would say BioC Plus is right up there because the BioC Plus has that acerola cherry in there that's been shown to be more potent antioxidant Effect plus the vitamin C itself and also aid in absorption of the vitamin C more, though, more so than you would see in just ascorbic acid on its own. There's also going to be bioflavonoids in there and uh, compounds that are going to support, so, from our citrus, and then we're also going to get compounds that are going to work to support white blood cell levels, especially if they're suppressed with stress, as well as work as antihistamine with seasonal allergy and prevent some of that blood clot formation as well. Sure. And we're
1: both of us deficient in vitamin C on we our were. micronutrients. Which makes so. sense from our poor yeah. adrenals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even from like an adrenal and um, progesterone perspective alone, like one to two of those Bio C plus daily and then pulsing that up during times of need, like we talked about in episode 257.
2: Yes. And then, of course, I would have to
1: muse a little bit on cell antioxidants. You can muse on that, Becky. <laughs> well, um, so cellular antioxidants is going to be a blend of N-acetylcysteine and um, glutathione. And that NAC in particular, right, that's the the compound we were mentioning, kind of got flagged by the FDA for having such fantastic efficacy in um, lessening severe outcomes in COVID. So directly supportive of our lung health, lung tissue works as an expectorant to help to like bring up that mucus and phlegm. I even gave it to Noah recently when he had a a big viral hit and had some mucus and and put in popsicles for him. Uh, But that supplement is fabulous to carry you through the winter months as well. And that would be taken like two a day and then pulsed up, I think I took like six a day when Mm -hmm. I had COVID, um, pulsed up per need.
2: Yep. And then again, the BioC Plus also has the quercetin. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that with the uh, bioflavonoids, which is also what's being recommended in a lot of natural protocols. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a two for one there, yep. if you will, kind of like the cell antiox with both neck and the S-acetylated glutathione. Okay. So those three players I think are essential. And then, you know, quality multi and a probiotic and keeping your carbs in check and we should
1: be in pretty good shape. Yes. All right. So real quick back to keto and immune, you know, this is also interesting as T cells are really a focused area of natural immunity and this sustained immune response. So for many, we're seeing fluctuations in antibodies, but the notion that T and B cells may last a lifetime. So if you tested for antibodies like three months post COVID, and then you test again, you know, six to nine months, you might see a decline in those values, or you might see that your antibodies are, you know, now coming back negative, but that doesn't mean that you're not protected anymore, right? Right. Right, absolutely. So
2: there's a study called Persistence of Neutralizing Antibodies a Year After SARS-CoV-2 Infection in Humans. And this was through the European Journal of Immunology. And then we'll also share um, the recent study from Israel, which looked at infection, natural infection versus protection with even double vaccine and and kind of just share some updates on natural immunity because we can't talk natural immunity on the social media spaces. Oh, no, it's that hashtag is banned. Um, (laughs) For fun, you should put in the hashtag and see what happens. Yep. Um, But this is another reason why we have to do Patreon. And I'm really excited again to kind of find a space where I can just have my voice out there without having to take a pause and and think about my wording and cross things off yeah (laughs) goodness gracious where are we at in this free country anyway so um when we looked at this first study again which was persistence of neutralizing antibodies a year after sars cov 2 infection in humans by european journal of immunology they looked at serum antibodies um, following infection at 8 and 13 months and they looked at um they saw that the natural antibodies against the virus persisted in 89%, and also the spike IgG in 97% of subjects for at least 13 months after infection. So retaining of the spike protein from SARS-CoV-2 was in 97% of the subjects after a year at the 13 month mark. Um, now they did see that only 36%. Actually had the nucleoprotein of the IgG um, at, thir- at the 13-month mark, and so the average of the um, and so again the various that we saw was the spike IgG versus the nucleoprotein IgG, and the spike average IgG concentration did decline a little bit from the 8 to 13 months, but it was less than one third of decline, and more of a decline that was seen in the um, nucleo antibodies, the nuclear protein protein. And so when we're looking at testing, it's important to know what are we looking at for a seropositive response. Um, There was a reduction that we did see in the natural antibody titers against the variants compared to the SARS-CoV-2, especially after a mild disease. But there still was suggestion that
1: there was protection against all of the variants themselves. Okay. So even if you're seeing that IgG, which that makes sense that that would decline over time, because that's that more like rapid antibody response you're still seeing this kind of specialized spike protein antibody present even at 13 months out. Right. And again, the assumption would be if we were
2: looking at T-cell memory response, that we would see that for the lifetime, just like we've seen in presence after the Spanish flu, um, you know, upwards of a century later, still that prolonged immune response. So enhancing T-cell formation not only does aid with producing and continuing to produce those, those antibodies, but beyond just that one mechanism of assessment, you're getting this holistic favorable response. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Let's talk a little bit more about just kind of natural immunity versus vaccine-generated immunity specific to COVID, because I think there's been some more compelling kind of numbers out there too. Yeah,
2: I don't think we shared the uh, Israel preprint, which was uh, titled Comparing SARS CoV 2 Natural Immunity to Vaccine Induced Immunity Reinfection Versus Breakthrough Infections. Um, So we'll link that also in the show notes. And um, Alex Brennerson has been sharing a lot on his Twitter. That's um, often I jump on him for a really quick deep dive of data comb through if you will Um, and here's some kind of pulls from the study itself as far as language and then i'll talk a little logistics it was the largest real world analysis comparing natural immunity gained from an earlier infection to the protection provided by the uh, vaccines currently in use and um, the study looked at the impact of Individuals that were vaccinated were ultimately 13 times as likely to be infected as those that were prior infected naturally, and then um, 27 more times to be likely infe- um, symptomatic, excuse me. So again, those that were vaccinated versus naturally infected had 27 more times likelihood of symptomatic response to infection than those that had
1: the natural immune exposure. Interesting and very counter to this narrative that like 99.9% of hospitalizations and deaths are among the unvaccinated. Right. And again, I think part of that skew has to do with the timestamp of
2: 14 days following second Uh vaccination, Uh which I think is huge. Um, But this particular study actually looked at um, a two-dose regimen of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine um, and, uh, they had three different logic models that they put together of variants. So there were those that were, um, previously infected and had not been vaccinated previously infected and had one dose, and then just had the two dose regimen. And in all models, the SARS-CoV-2 infection, um, had the best outcomes when compared to the
1: synthetic or not natural, um, injection support. And I think Israel is kind of a place to watch because they've been ahead of us in terms of um, vaccination you know, rates and, and got more of their population vaccinated. So what's happening there currently is probably what we're looking at in the next two to three months I in mean, the U.S., right? It's
2: compelling as all hell because, yep. I mean, pull, pull quote, you know, when we're saying... SARS-CoV-2 vaccines were also at greater risk for COVID-19-related hospitalizations compared to those that were prior infected. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. Again, at the timestamp, and we're also looking at medical mandates and we're just not seeing the data that supports it. And going back kind of full circle to when we looked at, again, the nuclear assessment versus spike protein assessment, we always have to be mindful about how, as we've talked about PCR testing, making a Mm -hmm. case-demic, how numbers can be used to manipulate, especially when we're talking multi-billion dollar campaigns and industries that are really monetizing on these movements and numbers. And so when you bring in some high-level statisticians into the picture and market researchers paired with science researchers, they can find and create the numbers they're looking for right. to support their narrative and to support the mechanisms that they want to
1: put in place. Right. What's the book, How to Lie with Statistics? That's Ooh. that's all COVID is. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, anyway. Right. Let's just close with some yeah. food as medicine yeah. for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's a good place to kind of leave it off. So what can we practically do, you know, beyond going keto? What are kind of within that the, the food is medicine goals?
2: Yeah, so I'm absolutely a huge fan of intermittent fasting, especially as we go into holiday season. Um, you know, be mindful of the stress response. Watch our YouTube video on you know three different types of fasting to determine whether maybe it's more appropriate for you to add collagen or a little bit of grass-fed butter or something to your intermittent fast. But extending that 16 hours of no food, 8-hour eating window can really have remarkable impact on supporting immune response and also favorable metabolism and anti-aging mechanisms. So that would be one thing for sure. I would say another one would be to get those two to three cups of leafy greens. I just think that this is huge for satiety. Um, As we go into this cold flu viral season, I think pairing bone broth with leafy greens is really beautiful. I basically, anytime I'm using my cast iron and a protein, when I pull my protein off to rest, I am going to be sauteing in my cast iron the drippings of whatever it was whether it was a pork chop or pork tenderloin or whether it was a ribeye steak or whether it was a bone and skin on chicken breast or chicken thigh or you know whole chicken you name it I'm going to be reducing down that sauce by sauteing some curly kale and then splashing in some fond bone broth and deglazing it and getting all of the good stuff in there Uh, Great to keep up with the magnesium as we go into this stress season and also remembering that connection of vitamin D and also supporting our microbiome. Those leafy greens give us a nice amount of K1 and then also that insoluble fiber, which can work as a prebiotic to support good, healthy gut microbiome balance. And in one of our nerdy YouTube videos, we talked about, I'm not going to remember the name. But that compound in leafy greens, sulfoquinovos. Good like, job, is I your think, word. Yeah, I think I think it is um, right. I think that's and right. right. Didn't it actually combat like candida right, and right. Um, dysbiosis? Yeah. So not only kind of uh, working to fertilize the good gut flora, but actually being a competitive inhibitor. So yeah. another reason to get those Super two to three cool. cups yeah. of leafy greens, and you can do them in warm ways like braising them or um, kale
1: will um, be another area of focus. Bone broth. And I think that can pair really well, like you said, with the leafy greens in terms of doing that um, to kind of deglaze your pan and then saute down some leafy greens. Um, I'm all about soups, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as soon as we get our first like 70 something degree yes. day which is kind of happening right now we had some hot days and, and got some rain and it finally cooled off um, but bone broth as a base of a soup um, or just sipping on bone broth which you guys know fond is probably our favorite for sipping day to day they've now got their beef flavors so it's kind of changed up the game um, at least in in our household I'm really enjoying those um, like the ginger and cayenne the one cardamom one yeah. really nice oh yeah like the warming. It's, it's like starny. Starny. That's and what I was thinking. Cinnamon? Mm-hmm. Yeah so good yeah
2: and you know you might want to listen also to the podcast if you missed it on bone broth fasting mm-hmm. that was just a couple weeks back and so another thing if you haven't gotten back on track and you're just feeling in this kind of mediocre space and you need a little rev under you do the bone broth fast as a great jump in and then of course join the next level keto as well yes. um drinking your water two to three liters a day staying hydration um important again to keep your nasal passages and respiratory tract all of your membranes Moisturized is going to make us less susceptible to respiratory infection, and also helps to move any pathogen in our space. So um, keeping hydrated with about two to three liters of fluid per day is really important. And especially as even we like think we can feel it when um, heat gets turned on in buildings, if you're Mm -hmm. living in colder areas, that kind of takes a whole havoc on like the ear, nose, throat area. So a great time to think on focusing on staying hydrated and then always, always getting at least 60 grams of protein for women, about at least 80 grams of protein for men, generally speaking. Um, This is really important to get all of those amino acids that your immune system actually needs to make the antibodies and to support optimal immune response. So lots of food is medicine support. I think you can package it all together in a beautiful, mediterranean keto approach that we will help you do in our next level keto if you love today's episode and you need a boost go on over to allymillerrd.com and grab your spot and then also check me out on patreon we'll put the link as well as all of these research study links i'd love to see your support over there and if you guys are digging it i will be more active and again check out the different tiers where i will do different intimate q a's and research uh, letter reports and so much more fun and if you you want to come visit in Wimberley? Grab a ticket for December fourth for our women's wellness workshop. Can't wait to meet you in person and like give people hugs again. Won't well, that yeah. be fun, Becky? Oh yeah! <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans.